0: This is Shoulder Charge, a rugby league podcast hosted by me, Casey Smith and here's what's on the show this week My guest is the Rochdale Hornets chairman, Andy Maisie. We're talking realignment, the club's aims for 2022 And also, does the format of the Challenge Cup need altering? It's all covered on Shoulder Charge, a Rugby League podcast. So, let's get into it. So, in terms of, um, you've had your Challenge Cup run, got to the fifth round, was it? Yeah? Um, Yes. the League One season starts really late, really compared to everybody else. How much of a like preparation for the season is it that you've had this cup run, rather than going out like Oldham went out straight away, didn't they? And they've not had a game for months. So does that help you having that cup run?
1: It has, yeah. I mean, when we when we initially looked at it, and the fixtures, you know, the format came up, and we looked at the uh, the, the League One start date and the the proposed dates. For the Challenge Cup. I did hope that we would have a little bit of a run because effectively it became your pre-season. So we've had a good trot really. We um we've had a couple of good results early doors against obviously the Midlands at home and then we went up to Lock Lane, which was no easy easy, easy uh, task really, having not told them out in the previous round. It was a always gonna be a challenge and the weather conditions, etc. You know, I don't know that you, you saw the game, but it was a atrocious uh, yeah additions to playing. So not only was it part you know, made made for a good pre season, but I think it, it, it galvanized everybody by uh, having to go and do it tough up there and um, and getting a couple of wins under the belt was good for Morale, yeah.
0: Yeah. And what what do you make of that the really start late start to League One? Because essentially there's only one less team than there is in Super League, but they they started in Feb you know, February. Obviously, they've got the Magic Weekend and they've got the loop fixtures and whatnot, but what do you make of it starting so late on? Uh,
1: it's not ideal, really. And and if I'm brutally honest, I can't understand why because, obviously, there's no reason, apparent reason why League One couldn't have started in line with Championship, is there, really? So, um, yeah... I, I'm not too sure as to, to why we're doing that. Um, maybe it's the num- obviously the numbers in the division. There's less clubs in the division, yeah. so ultimately less fixtures, and it's just been slotted into to work in uh, in line with the end of season calendar and the playoffs all all aligning. And, and, and obviously, all that needs to be done and dusted this year ahead of a big year, for, you know, the World Cup as well. So I'm sure there's some logic behind it all, and. Uh, and, and, and way up over and above my pay station yeah. to determine how it is look. But <laughs> yeah, we we've, we we're one of these type of uh clubs with the attitude very much of whatever's presented to us we get on with it. Um and you know, we're just gonna make the best of of whatever anything looks like. Always we've done that throughout the last few years, you know, difficulties with COVID and one thing or another and we've always just tried to have that glass-half-full mentality rather than half-empty and uh, always trying to draw on positives and I think the positive for us is that we've had a good Challenge Cup run. We've now got a little bit of a period whereby Matt can fine-tune things with the the players and the staff and get everybody ready for uh, a a big League One campaign.
0: Yeah. Do, Do you think League One itself has a future, you know, because we've got 11 teams in it. Some have lost out to amateur opposition. West Wales have constantly struggled you know could what do you see beyond 2023 of League One because could could we have what are your thoughts like could we just have two big leagues or do you, do you see a future for League One
1: it's a good question it's one that I have sort of in my own mind I've, I've gone over and over it over and over it I should say many times because obviously there's been a lot of talk about structures obviously with the recent announcement via the RFL and and Super League Europe that they're now realigning, which I believe is a good thing for the sport. Uh, I think that's box one ticked. I think the the next box now is obviously working with a strategic partner to determine what the sport looks like moving forward. And with that in mind, ultimately you come back round to the age-old argument and structure then, don't you? So there's been a lot of things spoken about in respect of two-tens or you know, many different types of scenarios and structures have been banded about publicly, but it remains to be seen, you know, I think that's the next steps now is in determining the strategic partner, the strategic partner will ultimately have a a view on what the sport should look like to maximise its potential and ultimately the structure will fall under that. So, in answer to your question, I suppose League One, there is a grey area over what that will look like because without being disrespectful to some of the teams, as you quite rightly say, you know, you've you've got to look, um, my view on it and certainly our view at Rochdale is, we've got to be meaningful, we've got to be relevant, and if we can't be relevant and, and, and we can't be meaningful, then you've got to ask the question, what are we doing? So, you know, for me, I think everybody's got to ask that question of themselves now, and with the limited funding that's in the sport, I think we've all got to really be looking at, how self-sustainable we are, and what value we can bring to the game. And I certainly believe that uh, any structure moving forward, that's going to be what it's all about. Really, what what value do you bring? Where do you sit in the pyramid? And and uh, and, and you know, whatever the game looks like moving forward, you want to try and be as, as high up in that and as as powerful within that as you can, don't you?
0: Yeah. And obviously, we've got Cornwall added into the mix now. That took everyone by surprise, and you even were shocked at that. <laughs> what have your opinions changed of Cornwall, or are, are you still sceptical about it?
1: I think me, me disappointment disappointment was more. You know, I've nothing against expansion, and I've said time and time again, I was a massive supporter of Toronto. Um, we partnered with them, and I couldn't have been more supportive of, of expansion. And still am. I still believe, but I think what, what's got to happen is going into that what we've just discussed is it's about sustainability, but not just sustainability to grow, um, grow. And, and Cornwall, without doubt, is an area that has got an ability to to, to grow. Is a, is a, a potential, you know, a new heartland if you like, and a new, uh, a vibrant expansion area. But that won't happen very quickly. That to, to make that happen properly and sustainably it's got to be done over many many years that and and, and that's where we failed with expansion in my view is that we've never nailed anything correctly even if you look at the areas that we have had longevity in in london um and there is some real good good positives that's come out of london and many people boys and girls playing the game in london now that would never have done had we not taken the game there but even that has failed at the highest level, level, hasn't it? You know, London Broncos, unfortunately, at the moment are, are not in Super League and not even, you know, sort of looking like they're going to be really challenging at yeah. the top of the Championship. So it's a, it, these have got to be long term projects. And my, uh, uh, you know, I suppose my disappointment was the way it was handled really with Cornwall, not the concept. You know, I like the concept of expansion. It was more the way it was dealt with at the time. I felt that we weren't kept in the loop correctly on it. Um, the first thing I knew, that uh, the the the, the uh, Ottawa was no longer, and the yeah. club was moved. Cornwall, The first thing I knew was by by reading on Twitter, yeah. which was disappointing. You know, when we're stakeholders of the game, as clubs, it's disappointing when you you get the news on Twitter, isn't it? But I think you know, there's been an acknowledgement that that was probably handled poorly. But uh, uh, you know, my weight's behind that now. You know, I've spoken to Eric. I get on well with Eric Press and. Uh, and, and, you know, they've got a good guy there in Neil Cowley. So hopefully that works out for, for them. And, uh, and it can only be a positive if it does work out. It'll create challenges for the game. Don't get me wrong. It's challenging for ourselves as League One clubs, having to mobilise and travel travel down there. And, and it brings into play overnight stops and long journeys and and things. But I suppose that, that's the challenge of uh, being involved in professional sport. Yeah.
0: You mentioned London. Uh, I know it's a bit away from League One, but um, you know they they're paying a fortune for that new stadium, but they've they've gone back to part time, haven't they? And they re- they seem to be really struggling right now. And the the play from what I saw, the players they signed. They weren't champ. There was a lot from League One, and I thought I, I worry about them. They might be going down, and that what a travesty that would be if London Broncos fell into League One, and then what would happen? You know.
1: Yeah, I mean, hopefully that's not the case. Again, uh, I know David Hughes there over the many years has, has put a awful lot of resource and finance into into London, and uh, it would be a shame to see it go. You know, go in the direction. Um, that's not the one that everybody wants you know I'd like to see London back in Super League I thought the last time they were in there I thought they competed really well yeah. and it was a shame that they didn't manage to hang in there and stay in there but uh, yeah it does does clearly look like they're, um, they've taken a few steps backwards at the moment which maybe to move forwards I'm hoping you know obviously going from full time to part time is is, uh, is is not uh, a step in the right direction if your ambitions are to be in Super League uh, and clearly, there is, as like you said, there's a shift in terms of uh, playing personnel. It seems the budget, you know, may well have been reduced, and if they're bringing in players from from League One, etc. Um, but my fingers are crossed that that's, um, you know, it's a, it's a, maybe sometimes in in business and in sport you take a couple of steps back to be able to move forward, and hopefully that's what we're doing down there.
0: Yeah, and in terms of Rochdale, then, uh, what are your aims this year?
1: Uh, I think. You know, as as we've said, you know, it's no secret, you know, last season was difficult. We had issues with, um, you know, with the COVID and, and, and injuries combining to mean, I think, just, just as a, an example, I think we played 18 games last year and uh, I think we used something like 44, 45 different players, which tells a story as to where we were. And you can't get any kind of consistency or continuity when you're making changes like that. But um with that in mind i think this year was all about us having a better season we've done a lot in terms of uh in the background with matt and work with him to um reshape his backroom staff we brought gary thornton in who's an experienced head coach in his own right he's won championship coach of the year and league one coach of the year we've brought in a a new conditioner who's based in australia carl jennings who uh who's, who's got not only a a real high-profile in in rugby league, but he's also dealing with NRL clubs over there, but he's dealt with some real high-profile rugby union and football over in this country, so we've we've reshaped the way we do things in terms of the backroom and the conditioning. We've brought in some new medical staff and physios and things, and I think there's a big focus on, hopefully, on injury prevention rather than just rehabilitation. It's about um, trying to work in a way where we, we... we try and prevent injuries where we can, so the hopes are that in doing that, ultimately we want a better season on the field, um, and we want to see some improvements. So obviously, seventh wasn't good enough last year; wasn't really acceptable as to where we are as a club and what we're doing and, and, and our ambitions. So, you know, the minimum criteria this year for me is to get into the playoffs, um, and we'd like to think that while there are clubs spending a little bit more than ourselves. If we do get that bit of luck and we get you know all these things that we've done come to fruition, we'd like to think that we can get into the playoffs and then you know we believe we can be a, a force in League One and, and hopefully challenge people.
0: Yeah, and it, it it seems to be very competitive just again this year. Very competitive in League One. You know, you've got an abundance of local derbies as well with Oldham and Swinton involved as well. Uh, what do you make of that? Having all those uh, local teams.
1: No, that's great for, I think, for the three clubs, certainly in the Greater Manchester area, ourselves, Oldham and Swinton. Those derby games are, you know, it's a breath of fresh air for me, obviously. The two clubs that have gone up and the two that have come down, we've, we've replaced two trips to Cumbria <laughs> with two trips, you know, just, just round the corner. So I'm more than happy with that. And Obviously, we can take a, a following across to Oldham and Swinton and vice versa. Hopefully, we can generate some big crowds and, generate some really competitive games and the fans that's what the fans want to see you know it's it's about whether you're in Super League or whether you're in League 1 it's about whatever your big is is making your big bigger so those big games for us you know the Swintons the Oldhams the Keithleys this year we really want to make them big In North Wales you know North Wales shouldn't be underestimated you know yeah. they are right up there you know for me the bookies really get it wrong and yeah. North Wales are a right tucked in just behind Swinton and Keithley as favourites for this division, and you know they knocked us off last year. Um, they finished a, finished in the playoffs and they had a, a real good, good good season. And early signs are they're looking to repeat that. You know they knocked Swinton off in, in the Challenge Cup and they've got through past uh, a good strong Hunslet side as well. And they're playing Sheffield in the next round. So I think uh, you know couldn't have enough or any more respect for what they're doing over there in Anthony. Murray is a friend of mine, and, uh, and and Alan Adcroft and Simon Reynolds, fantastic job they're doing at North Wales. So big raps to them guys, and that's going to be a mammoth game for us at the season opener against North Wales. Is a big one, a real yeah. big one for us, and a massive challenge. You know, we go into that on, with everything you just said there. You know, we go into that as probably as the underdogs because they're flying, aren't they? So yeah. couldn't be a big start to the season.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned those uh, local fixtures making them bigger, sort of thing. You know, we've seen with uh, teams like Hulk KR and Barrow like adopting like the Toronto model of sort of making things more of an event. Is that something that you're looking at to like implement at Rochdale?
1: We are, yeah. Just as an example, the um, the Oldham game is on Good Friday, so it's a bank holiday, and, and we've got some initiatives uh, that that. Our team are working on that. Our commercial team and you know we're going to announce those in due course. But yeah, it's about making those events and it's it's, it's making it a family, you know, a family experience, not just about the game of rugby league on the field. You know, we 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 invested in a, a new mascot last year and uh, and a few things which are, are centred around family fun and and, and and entertainment really. It's 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 an event rather than a than a, than a game of rugby league. And I think with that. You know with that sort of philosophy, we want to do that. You can't do that every week. don't get me wrong. I think it becomes a little bit mundane if you if you roll the same thing out week in week out. but again for the big games and, and making you big bigger, we have got some good things planned this year and uh i looking forward to it you know we 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 got a couple of good crowds in last year for specific events. We did some community initiatives and we had a crowd of 1400 plus for the uh, North Wales game. And then we back that up with a, a crowd of 1,200 against London scholars who, with due respect, maybe brought you know a handful of people with them. So, you know, if we can continue to get crowds into four figures this season, um, you know, that that's what I'm looking for. You know, I'm looking for that growth and, and steady growth. You know, it's not going to happen overnight. As I said, with, with Cornwall, whether you're in a new area or whether you're in an area that's probably got lapsed over the years, they're not overnight wins. You know, you've got to work hard to to do things um, that, that attract people over a period of time rather than just a, you know, a one-off.
0: Yeah. Uh, and in terms of attendances then, so far in the Challenge Cup, how, how have you rated your attendances?
1: Uh, quietly. Quietly encouraging, really. I think, um, obviously, the Midlands game was broadcast on the BBC, um, so that can sometimes have a, an impact, in uh, especially in... The early parts of the season, when it's cold, people might choose to put their feet up and and watch it in in the comfort of their own homes. So, wasn't really, you know, really too disappointed by the Midlands. I thought it was a good attendance in the circumstances, and then we had a a good turnout for the for the Barrow game, really, because you know, uh, it's one of those attendances early season and Challenge Cup historically over the last few years haven't been great, have they? I think across the sport, so. Yeah, quietly encouraged. I think we, we want to try and build on on, uh, on the on the attendances this year as we've discussed. So all things considered, I think it's a positive start on that front and, uh, and we just want to work to try and improve them as we move along through the season.
0: Yeah, I suppose with the Challenge Cup, you know, everybody has to pay a ticket. There's no season ticket people in. So, you know, it, it is harder to sort of have a massive crowd in the Cup.
1: It is. It's, um, as you say. You know, they sit outside of uh, <coughs> of deals. So if you've bought a season ticket, it doesn't necessarily give you entry to the Challenge Cup games, and and that can be the same for um, you know corporate side as well. So if you've, for example, you've got a, a box or you've got a table for the year, sometimes uh, various clubs I've been involved with, they can be you know outside of your uh, regular agreement. So that's always a consideration. Um, I think generally the Challenge Cup. Um, for me it, it could be looked at because I don't I don't like this the, the new structure of it if I'm honest. Yeah. I don't think it's giving opportunity for those at the bottom to progress as far as you would want to. You know, I've been involved uh, at other clubs and, and and you know, I think it's giving less chance now for you to go and have a, a big game and maybe reach the quarter finals. Like, you know, back when I was involved at Lee we 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 played a quarter final against Leeds at Headingley and give them a real good run run for the money but i think this new structure is making it more difficult for, for the for the lower teams to to progress and maybe get that that game and, and ultimately a payday as well you know it happens in football and it should happen in every sport whereby the cup competitions offer those clubs you know a, a chance of a big day out and a, and, a, and potentially a big payday
0: yeah what do you make of the 1895 cup as well because i think only some from the sixth round are going into that, aren't they? but when it started, it were basically on its own and having midweek fixtures weren't it? What do you make of it? Should it be like that, or how would you have it?
1: yeah, I think this challenge has been obviously because of the covid situation, it's changed the way certainly last year it was done differently, and I think you know there's probably if i'm being honest there's there's probably clubs who will sit on two sides of a fence with it and Maybe look at it as a burden. Yeah. Maybe looking it, you know, something that's going to cost them money and rather than generate them any revenue. Which many people say that's a short sighted view, but it's in reality as well. When people, you know, clubs outside of the, uh, you know, top tiers have, have had the funding cut as, as, as severely as we have down in the, the Championship and League One, you have got to consider things from a commercial perspective and. Uh, and so I think they have tried to find, you know, the the RFL, with res- due respect, they have trying to find a, a sort of happy medium. Really, whereby they can they can keep the the eighteen ninety five cup, gives give those clubs who who progress in the Challenge Cup an opportunity still to, to get to Wembley and and, and a bit of a re- reward for progressing, and I think that's what they've tried to do with the structure as it is this year.
0: Yeah. Uh- in terms of, because um, you your last fixture, you, you had a, a, a restricted crowd, didn't you? Um, but you, di- you didn't really want to go into the reasons why, but what, what actually happened there, or can you not comment?
1: Um, I, w- I won't comment on that, really, because there's a few things that, that uh, happened um, around that that we, we are dealing with, obviously, privately um, and confidentially, so I won't comment as to the reasons, but... Uh, but yeah, as it as it transpired, it wasn't really a, a major problem to us, the the restriction for that particular fixture um, because it was a Challenge Cup game. Didn't really hurt us or impact us. We didn't need a crowd of over you know four figure crowd. Didn't didn't end up uh, turning up, so it wasn't a problem, and we got through that. Um, it, it it was a difficult situation leading into that, but uh, I'd like to think we're on the right side of that, and uh, and yeah. Um, that's about it for that one.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I suppose what I'm getting at is, will will that be? Could that happen again going forward, or will that harm your plans of, you know, growing attendances? Or is this just an isolated incident sort of thing?
1: Um, as I said, there's things sort of being dealt with at the moment on that, which I think uh, common sense will probably prevail and, uh, and 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 mean that it won't be an issue moving forward. Um, but like anything in life, you know, because of the process we had to go through and a few of the uh, things we had to look at due to the restrictions, you can learn lessons as well. And I think we did things um, on, on that particular game. It helped us be a little bit more efficient and a, bit, a little bit more practical in what we did on the day. So, you know, I'm a great believer, as we've spoken about earlier on, I always draw the positives from <laughs> the situation. And, uh, and if you can be more economical in how you operate your business, and we become more efficient, then that's not necessarily a bad thing, is it? So by, by no means do we want restrictions in place, and we'll hopefully not have restrictions in place, because we do want to look at boosting the attendances over that, you know, four, into four figures. So um, well, all's well that ends well, no major dramas or uh, yeah. no major problems.
0: Yeah. Uh, so into wider issues then, um, real we mentioned realignment. What are your biggest hopes of the realignment?
1: I think it's about the sport becoming vibrant and, and becoming the sport um, that we all know it is in terms of maximising its opportunities. I think we've got the best product in the world and, and many people have said that many times and I, I fully believe it. I think, you know, even even if you watched the Championship game last night with Nissan Barrow, I thought it was a fantastic advert for the sport. You know, and, 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 and that that for me deserves... Greater TV coverage, greater financial input from partners and sponsors, and, and 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 hopefully that's where I'm hoping that with realignment, that's what comes as a byproduct of it, an aligned sport in terms of everybody being together, everybody being on you know on, on the same page and collectively, you know, there's been a lot of talk about uh, <clears throat> about strategic partners. I think they want to you know anybody who's going to invest in something wants to see you know see see Harmony, don't they, and, and unity, and I think that's what realignment hopefully will bring. You know, it brings a, a coming together of of Super League Europe and and the RFL, the governing body, but also what it does in, in terms of the way they're doing it. They're creating a an, another entity which will be a driving a drive commercial force, hopefully, and, and the way you know the way I understand it, and the de- the detail is still to come well the way i understand it that will be a collective effort so we're now working as one you know whatever our percentage to come out of the pot will be will be hopefully the key is about growing the pot so if we've all got agreed percentages whatever they may be the bigger the pot gets the bigger you 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 know your associated revenues are aren't they so we've all got a responsibility to that um and as, as we spoke about earlier it's about relevance now. You know, what can Rochdale Larnitz bring to Rugby League? What can we do for the game? What what part can we play in that success? And it's not about sitting back and saying, we've had 100 and odd years of history and we deserve this. We deserve the other. Nobody deserves anything in life in business. You've got to go out and earn what's yours. So, uh, the the emphasis is on all clubs, not just ours now, to to, to return on whatever investment that comes. And, and be some, something that you know, the game can look at and say, you know, Rochdale are doing it right or such a body's doing it right and they're returning for the sport. You know, we're giving them a funding and they're, they're delivering they're delivering a, a success story for that funding. And we believe we do, you know. <clears throat> um, if you look at our footprint and when, what we do in, in the Rochdale Borough, 230,000 people strong borough, we're delivering wheelchair teams, we've got a ladies team, you know, we, the foundation, which we appointed a new Director, the first full time director of that foundation um, in November is growing and growing, and we've got some real, real sort of uh, exciting things to announce on that side of things. So it's about just being um, being part of a, an exciting journey now, I hope. And all the talks and the negativity that we've gone through over the last few years, I'm hoping the realignment puts that all to bed and we can all really move on now and, and make rugby league what it wants to be. You know, what's up, the top. A top Top two or three sport in this country, and really, you know, pushing on, and we want broadcasters fighting over this <laughs> game in, in two years' time, don't we? We don't want, you know, in case of we will accept whatever the broadcaster offers, we want we want some real interest in the game. We want some real competition for the rights. We want people, you know, like Betfred have done. Betfred have come into the game, with a real real uh, breath of fresh air. They bought into it, they're broadcasting it. You know, the sportsmen's a byproduct of that, and. And, and and we want more more partners of that ilk fighting to be involved with Rugby League because it's a sport that's uh, going places and it's not killing itself and infighting and dividing. It's a un- unified game, effectively.
0: Yeah, and I think the reports are that the uh, the Rugby League are bringing on uh, the firm IMG to sort of do the commercial side of the game. Uh, it's, it's, is that a step in the right direction, do you think? Because critics would say, you know, Rugby League has the product but in terms of getting the big sponsors or the the marketing they sort of you know that's just an area to improve on
1: i think it's a huge huge positive because there has been talks um about private investment um and equity partners and things and, and i've seen that happen in other sports but the way this is being sort of spoken about at the moment is a strategic partner And I like that term because it's about strategy for me. It is about strategy. It's about how we we grow the game at all levels, About how we make, as we just said, the sport attractive to broadcast partners, to commercial partners, to sponsors, everybody that can invest in the sport at all levels. How do we make it really attractive? So the strategic partner who potentially has had success with other sports is really a positive for me and a step in the right direction because I think it's about bringing in expertise, isn't it? You know, and people who can market the game and and, and make make the commercial decisions that need making for the benefit of the whole game, and, and hopefully that's what this strategic partner um, will will do.
0: Yeah, and in terms of like the game as a whole, you know. Re- in recent years, it's all been doom and gloom, you know, with the reduced monies, but now we've got Channel 4, we've got Premier Sports, we've got this strategic partner, the the World Cup's coming at the end of the year as well, uh, Before you know, so, where do you see the sports, how, how would you rate the sports future now, because everyone was really downbeat, a few, you know, just last year really.
1: Yeah, it does seem relatively recently, whereby there was a lot of doom and gloom, and, and... Well, that's the, the, the thing for me is, as you say now, the positives that, that are coming in terms of the <clears throat> the number of different broadcast partners, the number of different platforms that you can access Rugby League on. You know, um, I just feel it's an exciting time now, once again, to be, be involved with the game, because sometimes, and I think we've, we've spoken about it, but sometimes you do go backwards to ultimately, ultimately move forward in life, and I'm hoping that's where we are. I'm hoping that we'll not only start moving forward, but we can make some real good strides as a, as a sport now over the next couple of years. And I think, you know, I do believe that the one thing that we don't lack is a great product. And, uh, and maybe we have lacked, um, the ability to, to sell that product in the past, but hopefully now, you know, that's the, the thing that we are doing now is we're looking at opportunities to, and people and expertise to, to come along and create the strategies that, that everybody can buy into and, uh, and I'm, I'm quietly, I'm really optimistic about what the future holds for the game. I really hope that it is a whole game approach, and it's not just weighted to the top divisions and the elite level. Um, because I do, you know, I'm a massive believer that if the game is to be successful, it needs a strong pyramid at the grassroots, which are strong, need, need tying in nicely to the professional game, and, and a real uh, whole game mentality will only will only, I believe, benefit us uh, long-term.
0: Yeah, and in terms of Rochdale, you, you've got new signings um, just off the top of the head. You know, Greg McNally, Connor Aspie. Uh, what What are some of these players going to add to your squad?
1: Um, I think, it, again, sitting down with Matt in the close season and, and, and looking at what we've done in 2021 and what we wanted to do moving forward, it was always a case of... Um, of getting the right balance in, in the squad, of having experience, because you need experience, but also having a maybe a younger looking, more energetic, more committed and dedicated squad as a whole and, and I think the balance that, that, that he's come up with and what we've got I think's really good. Um you know, you mentioned Greg there, Greg's come um on the back of having a, a massive year with his own town club at Whitehaven. And uh, you know, he, he brings a lot of Experience and you know supporting on the coaching side, he's Matt's tapping into that experience, and it's those ki- kind of guys who you know he's, he lives his life the right way. Greg, he's a, a clean living lad. He's a professional in every sense of the word, and I think he's, he's him doing those things and having the ability to put his arm around some of the younger boys and pass that experience on and those good habits and that it's all builds that culture that we're looking to create. So I like to think our balance is really good. You know, Rangi's. Rangi Chase, if you if you to put a CV together in terms of rugby league, you know that guy's not gonna. There's not going to be many better, is there? So then Rangi's experience and he's come back. You know he's uh, he's he's looking really, you know, really focused and really fit now. And obviously Fui, uh, the (laughs) grand old man of of rugby league, he's still doing it. And again, he can pass that experience on to those younger boys and those those young middles. You know, it's just a. A little bit of a nod and a wink now and again to, to the younger boys—it goes a long way. So I think I feel the balance is really good. You know, Connor Aspie's come on a season-long one from Salford, really wanting to 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 get some quality game time and prove himself. Uh, we brought in the people like Aidan Roden from Wigan, again another highly rated young young player who had some good minutes in uh, Championship at Widnes and White last year. So on top of what what, what we returned, because we have got some real good players, you know you your Joe Tiaras and your Paul Breelys of the world who've got a lot of championship experience and are local lads and there's a good core of local lads but on top of that to add what we have done in terms of Greg coming in and returning Rangi and Fooey and of course Sean Penkovich, you know, another grand old man of the game but again, if you look at the games we've played this season his importance to the team, he can still you know, those 20 minute spells when he's on the field are explosive at times, you know, he creates opportunities and, and does things that some of the young boys uh, and some of the young up-and-coming players, um, you know, that first first few yards is in the head, isn't it? And, and, and it's certainly there with Sean.
0: Yes. And you mentioned before about the wheelchair and the women's. Tell us about when we can sort of see that come to fruition.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of good things happening. You'll probably see if you follow our social platforms, you'll see that we have been recruited for both the, the the wheelchair and the and the ladies. We went through a recruitment process over the over the off season. We've appointed a new head coach, um, a guy called Andy Obson, who for those who know the game will, will remember him as a player, uh, a big aggressive front row forward, um, <clears throat> quite a, an aggressive character on the field, pretty mild mannered uh, gentleman off it. So <laughs> Andy's now heading up the ladies' team as, as head coach, which is a, I think is a key appointment. You know they're recruiting at the moment to bring some. Some new girls and uh, into that into that uh, squad, and you know we, we're quite ambitious on that side. Andy's a big appointment, and we want to have a successful ladies team. I look at what you know a friend of mine over at York, John Flatman did. Um, they've they really bought into the ladies ladies uh, game and and invested in it, and they've had a great you know a great success over the last couple of years. So I'm hoping that Rochdale can become a successful ladies setup, and we've you know we. I won't sort of uh, make any bones about it. We've, we've got ambitions of Super League for, for the ladies, and, and we want to do that. And, and likewise with the wheelchair team, you know, we want to really invest in that and, and support it as best we can, and, and be successful at, at you know whatever level those guys can, can reach as well. So it's all exciting, exciting time for, for the for the brand and the club. I think it's. Uh, it's really exciting times overall you know we we're excited by the league one campaign up and coming the ladies campaign the wheelchair campaign and, and and in terms of what we're doing in the community as well all that ties together you know it's it's all about the brand and, and the awareness of what we're doing yeah and it's all you know, some of the parts really and that it's all important and all equally as important as each other
0: yeah I think that's a positive note to end on anyway
1: no definitely I think yeah. uh you know the, the positives are there if you want to look for them, and uh, I think if we are guilty of anything in rugby league in the past, it's been probably looking more at the negatives than the positives. And I think we're we're at a point in time now. Two thousand and twenty-two was always going to be what people spoke about as a cliff edge. Well, yeah. we've not we've not really fell off a cliff, have we? We're still here. <laughs> we've had to go through a few hard times and, and some tough tough things over the last couple of years, but we're still here. We're fighting yeah. and. Uh, and it's positive now, and let's look to the future.
0: Yeah, it's always been the case in rugby league, hasn't it?
1: It has, but I think you know that's going to change in the strategic partner and the way Super League and, and the RFL want to go about things. I think we've all got a duty now. You know, uh, don't get me wrong; it's not a case of trying to mislead anybody and trying to tell anybody you know uh, something's black when it's white, is it, or <laughs> vice versa? You know, you you can't kid people, can you? Um, but I think it's about focusing on the positives rather than the negatives because all sports have negatives. All walks of life, there's negatives. And if you look for them, you can find them. Yeah. But if we can get that mentality within the sport of looking for the positive rather than the negative, it can only be a positive, will it?
0: Yeah. All right, thanks a lot.
1: No worries, mate. Good to speak right. to
0: you. Yeah, you too. So, that's it for this week's show. Next week, we're talking all things Newcastle. And that's because my guest is the Newcastle Funder General Manager, Jordan Robinson. So join me then for that.